Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Alright, so uh, we are today going to be looking at the topic titled Witness. Somebody say Witness. Witness. Hallelujah. Witness, evangelism and discipleship. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I am quite excited about um, today's teaching. You see, um, uh, our name, Caruso Ministry, which um, people have, or quite a number of persons have grown to like, is actually the word that means to preach. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't like the way you are responding. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. All right. So, um, the name of our ministry, Caruso Ministry, Caruso just simply means to preach. All right. And so, it's um, ironic if as a ministry, um, if the name of our ministry is, so really, Caruso Ministry just means preaching ministry. Simply. All right. Uh, it just simply means preach ministry or preaching ministry or teaching ministry. So, it's going to be very ironic if Caruso Ministry has people who don't preach. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Or if as a ministry, we don't preach. Amen. Praise Jesus. All right. So, um, just so you know, um, the aim of this teaching is, you know, just to help us be more effective in our evangelical work. All right. As believers, as ministers of the gospel, and as a ministry as a whole. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's get right into Second Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Before we start, I feel it, you know, I just feel some pull in my spirit. I want you to say this with me. Say in the name of Jesus. Say that like you mean it. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my heart is open to receive of the ministry of the word and of the Holy Ghost. In today's teaching, I receive clarity. I receive direction. By the power of the spirit, questions are answered. Doubts are dissolved. In the name of Jesus, I do not leave here confused. In the name of Jesus, I receive all that God has for me in today's meeting. Glory to Jesus. All right, to so Second Timothy chapter three, from verse sixteen to seventeen. Second Timothy three, from verse sixteen to seventeen. As I've told you again, time and again, that this screen is for me. So do well to open your Bible. Second Timothy chapter three, from verse sixteen to seventeen. He says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine." for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness hallelujah you see let me just um say this before i get into this verse you see a very key christian practice is writing is writing um and you, you see we cannot outgrow it and by writing i really mean documenting facts um we cannot outgrow it all right in the church you know some standard christian practices are when you are going for a christian meeting you go with your bible you go with your pen, you go with your notepad. At least, those, that's what old-timers used to do, all right? Carry those things along. You know, it's funny that today you find believers who are, who are interested or are willing to go to church without a Bible. It's amazing. Go, and when you ask them, where's their Bible? They bring out their phone. Your phone is not your Bible. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Your phone cannot be your Bible, all right? Or you have people who go to church without notes, all right? And, you know, today, thanks to technology, um, you know, some people have, like, um, their pads, their iPads and stuff, and they're the writing. And to be honest with you, I, I wasn't a fan of it, actually. I still not, I'm not, to an extent, writing in your notepad because I personally am not so fast at typing, all right? So I just believe you cannot do that effectively, all right? But, I mean... I think some days ago, and this is why, you, you know, as, as a minister of the gospel, you have to learn to take correction, all right? Um, some days ago or a while ago, I saw somebody's notes, 
somebody that wrote in, I think it was even her phone that she wrote in. And I saw her notes. And when I saw how comprehensive it was, I said, you know what? Maybe I've been wrong. All right. Maybe people actually can. But the truth is, you also need to be able to understand the exceptions. Some people are just very disciplined enough to be able to type on their phones without being distracted. Not many people can, can be. Are we together? You, even you right here, some of you cannot even stay on one app conveniently with your phones. So don't, don't do that to yourself, all right? Don't try to walk along the lines, you know, try to find that hidden line in between and say, well, you know, don't do that. Just get a note. Are we together? Get a note. Write in your notes. Amen. And you write in your notes so you can go back to study. Glory to Jesus. You know, these are some basic Christian practices that we cannot outgrow. You know, we must hear it again and again. All right? You wake up in the morning. Before you go to church, you pray. <laughs> you pray. All right? You don't... The way to prepare for church is not looking for the best suits in your wardrobe. That's good. It's fine. There's no problem. But you wake up to pray. All right? You pray for the meeting. You know, you get ready and everything like that. You get to church. You, you get to church. All right? You say a word of prayer in your heart. Those are basic Christian practices. You know, our parents in those days would go to church, they would kneel, all right, before service starts, kneel, you know. And, you know, the funny thing about us is we have so much knowledge to our destruction. That's the problem with us. We know so much, and unfortunately, it doesn't help anybody, all right, because one thing we know how to do, largely this generation, which I'm a part of, I was going to say unfortunately, but unfortunately anyways, you know, is that we know how to throw the baby with the bathwater. We just carry everything and throw it away. So rather than us seeing the fact that it's a good Christian practice that we can learn something from, maybe people have now idolized it. And some people just come to church, you know, you just kneel down once they enter service, they're not even praying. You know, or you just sit down and bang your head like this, you know, and you know, do something else besides what's going on in service. All right, now that is wrong. Are we together? But what you do now do is say ah, everybody that is doing it, they are wrong, they are just trying to, you know, form this. Mm-mm. You have to learn the important things there. Do you get me? So when you get to church, for example, you know, before service, don't just get to service and you're just talking to everybody. Have some decorum. You know, sometimes I go to um, like church, sometimes, like when we go to church, I just see some people the way they are doing. I'm wondering, are we in a secular gathering or something? Like, just take some time and talk in tongues. Do you understand me? Just say some. Sometimes you don't even need to pray. Sometimes they're just speaking words in your heart. In today's service, the pastor ministers, my heart is open to receive. Do you understand? Things like that. All right? Sit down. Sit in one place. Put your bum bum on one seat. Are we together? Don't just jump around, you know? And some people are so uncultured. That is when they will carry their phone and they will be showing their friends Instagram posts. You can't even be my friend anyways. Because when I'm going to look at you, you will know. That it's like you've lost the Holy Ghost. You just, it's just some things you cannot do. All right, and then the meeting itself, of course, you write your, you write in the meeting, so on and so forth. Now, when service is over, <sighs> hey God, when service is over, listen, let me tell you something. Someone said something very important, and I want to show you. You know, in the parable of the sower, in the parable of the sower, do you realize that what determined whether or not the word was viable, which was the seed, was what happened after? Not even necessarily before. Now, there were things that could have been done before. Are you with me? There were things that could have been done before that would have affected the word. For example, the word that was sowed on good soil. For a soil to be good soil, you know, they probably had um, added manure before or stuff like that. Let's not, it's a parable, so let's not try to put too much meaning into it. Are we together? All right? And so some things would have been done for the soil to be good. But do you realize that everything that stopped the word was what happened after? After the one that was sowed in tongues, it was because the tongues choked it after the word came. 
The one that was, you know, sown on just stony ground and did not have roots. It happened. Why did it not have roots? Because the word came and then there was no roots in it. Do you understand my point? Are we together? So you begin to realize, and then Bible even says that sometimes the bird, birds would come and they would perch and then take off that seed and move away. So you realize that, see, one of the major places the devil steals what you have received in a meeting is immediately after the meeting. Immediately after. And so you see, maybe, just maybe, the best time to have church meetings is not immediately after. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe. You know, there's something I um, <clears throat> I I heard about deeper life. All right, and in fact, the minister who was saying it actually learnt it from deeper life, and it was the fact that you know what they often do after service. There's no announcements. There's nothing. When you are done with service, you just pray. After you are done praying, that's the end of service. That might probably be the best way to end service. Amen. Hallelujah. Just hear the word. Pray over it. Go. So after service, say hi. You know, see a friend. How are you doing? But don't. Now the pro, Some people after service, they now start up canal conversations. Holy canal conversations. How many? Tell yourself the truth. How many conversations do you have after service that reflect what you learned in service? Honestly. And now this is not to say it's bad to see your friends. I mean, I mean, I see my friends after service, you know, try to talk to them and stuff like that. But personally, even when I'm done with service, for example, I don't just, hardly do I just stand up just like that. Sometimes I like to just sit down and take it all in. Just think about the word. That's the thing. Because you see, in, in teaching of God's word, for example, there are instructions. Are we together? There are certain directions that God gives you. And one of the ways you know you receive from a meeting is that you have things you want to go and do immediately based on that teaching. Hallelujah. For example, I was, in, I was in a minister's conference a couple of days ago. And immediately after we were done with the meeting, the first thing I did, I brought out my notepad. I itemized things that I was going to do immediately before I spoke to anybody. Just, I don't, there is, that's the thing. So who say, ah, it's overdue now. It's not that deep. Ah, it's not that deep for you. Amen? It's not that deep for you. It's deep for me. Are we together, guys? So, you know, after such a meeting, you don't just... Now, this is not what I mean. After, after meeting today, now, we will not greet you. You know, this thing. <laughs> no, but the point really is, don't just play away everything you learned. Are we together? Don't just talk away everything you learned. Keep it. Do you understand? Keep it. Stay. Just stay. You know, think through the word. When you're having, even having conversations, you can have a conversation with your friend about the things you learned in church. Do you understand? Maybe you guys learned about money. Or stuff, just talk about it, you know. So, what are your plans now? You know, based on these things that Pastor said, some people the reason they forgot the instruction Pastor gave in teaching is the discussion they had after. So, some for example, you guys ended service 11 o'clock or 11 30, you don't leave church until like 2 33, and from where service ended to 2 33, nothing you did involved prayer or the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Let's don't lie to yourself. Just don't lie to yourself. Whatever pastor said, you've forgotten. And chances are when you get home, you'll be too tired to go through your notes. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, there are some basic Christian practices we need to revive. Get back home. You know, in fact, in those days, if, I mean, if you grew up in a Christian home like mine, when you get back home from church, from church, you still pray. You pray on what pastor taught. Then, you know, thank God for, you know, amazing parents. I cannot forget that then, after service, of course, I mean, Sunday is always rice. It's always rice or it's pounded. Yeah, that's just what it is. And so, my mom, when she's in the kitchen, and they probably are in the sitting room, between the kitchen and the sitting room, because we're all guys, so as a guy, you're in the kitchen, so it doesn't really matter. So, so you know, when we're in the kitchen or something, now my mom would be cooking, and then she'll be having conversations with us about what we're taught in church. 
I, I cannot. In fact, one of the most interesting conversations I had with my mom was when I, I somehow met the provincial pastor, and I was really young then very very young and i met the provincial pastor and we had a conversation i can't even remember what the conversation was about and so i told my mom and then we were just like i mean my mom began to probe me and ask me questions about the bible and so on and so forth you know just discussing after service now you don't grow up like that eh and then after service now you are okay we just drink up and down are we together guys do you understand me so just take say tell your neighbor say take correction Take correction. I know that for some of you, that thing shook you. You know, because I can notice that some of you are not smiling. <laughs> some of you are not smiling. Those who can be like, it's the word. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So, Second Timothy chapter three, from verse sixteen to seventeen. Everybody, we read together. One to go. All scripture uh-huh, is given by inspiration. Are you having to look at Bible to read that one? You people should know this thing by now. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Put your Bible. Everybody, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Once to go. <laughs> All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, one of the things you hear these days. You know, what's the big deal about quoting? The word is about what you know in your heart. It's all those people that used to quote. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. No. It doesn't mean they understand it. Are we together? It doesn't mean they understand it. What matters is the word in your heart. The word that you can lay hold of. Say, neighbor, it doesn't matter what you quote. You know, so, <laughs> sometimes people say things just because they can't do it. Hallelujah. Are we together, guys? Sometimes people just say things because they can't do it. It's just, it's just, they just feel bad. They, feel, they can't quote. And so they just come at people who can quote. That's just what it is. Hallelujah. You know, there are some... Um, 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 I look back and I see... I remember some games we played when we were young. And those games are very helpful. And as a matter of fact... Now, at some point in my life, when I said to learn the word, and I was, you know... Um, what was the word I can use? And I was intoxicated with what I thought was knowledge. All right? I talked down on a lot of those games. For example, Bible sword drill. What's the point? Bible so you just carry children together. What importance does it have? Or those games where you quote scriptures. And you know the funny thing is me as I'm talking like this. I played those games though. In fact, the game I, Bible so drill, I wasn't even so good at it. But you see this game where they tell you to quote scriptures bro. Ah, I had records. I had re- I think I think at some point I even quoted Psalm 19. I'm very sure I did. You can't have my mother and not quote things like that. You, you learn Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 24, you know, Psalm 22, you just learn all the Psalms together. Do you understand? And, you know, in those days, they will now carry you out in children. Um, when children do that presentation, they will put you all out in front of the church. Then, you start then as they are quoting, we will be clapping. Woo! Woo! Ah! I forget. So once they start, I will not stop. I will not stop. I will just keep going. <laughs> so, you and, you know, at some point, when I was intoxicated with pseudo, pseudo knowledge, anyways, you know, and then I began to say, What's the point of all those things? You know, you don't know the Bible, you don't know so much Bible in your head, it doesn't even mean that you understand it. So, and I was talking, I was talking. And one day, I just sat down and I told myself the honest truth. I said, Look at, ah, let, me, let me not say the way that I want to say it. I said, Look at a lot of people around you. I said, How many of them can quote like you? Honestly, not many. Amen. Amen? Not, there are very few persons I've met that can quote scriptures as much as I do. Very few. And in fact, what I now began to notice around that point in time was that I wasn't quoting scriptures as well as I used to. I started doing a lot of paraphrasing. Amen? You know that thing I used to do? You know, you can... You can for example, now, you say, that the man of God will be perfect thoroughly. Um, some, the, I, I'd not forget it, though. But I know it. Amen? Oh, more. 
Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And so I began to notice that when I was quoting scriptures as well as I should. And now here's why it's funny. People that say that it's the word that is in your heart that you will do. How will the word even be in your heart if you cannot quote it by heart? Just that if wherever you are, you can't just quote something all of a sudden. Do you understand my point? How exactly is the word supposed to be in your heart? Do you realize, in fact, that you are more likely to quote scriptures when you read it often? For example, Ephesians 1 from verse 16 to 23. I didn't learn, I didn't sit down to learn it. It's just because it was a prayer that if you're in another way, for example, <laughs> you pray that you pray that prayer more, probably even pretty more than poor God. I gave the prayer. Just that you pray and pray and pray and pray. So there is no how. Before you know it, you already know everything there. Just that. Even if I thought you want to cram it, it might just take you looking through it just once. For example, I remember when I had to learn Ephesians 1 from the beginning to the end. It didn't take me so much sitting down to cram because already no, normally I would normally quote Ephesians one from verse three to verse. Do you understand? Normally I would very quote sixteen to twenty three on his own. So you just I just needed some joining in the middle. But then I see it together, ma'am. Are we together, guys? But what I'm even trying to say, basically, is you know I began to find that a lot of people were not you know not, not so many persons were quoting scriptures, particularly what people. Particularly, what people were not quoting scriptures as much, and I just you know had to look back and tell myself the truth. What brought me here? What brought me to this point I am in, where I'm able to quote scriptures at length and stuff like that? I just had to tell myself the truth. It was that training my parents gave me, particularly my mom. Are we together, guys? It was that training. And so, if I do have a children's church, or we do have a children's home at some point in this ministry, best believe those are games they will play. Amen? Amen? They will also come out on Sunday, on one Sunday, maybe children's Sunday, the Sunday of children's day, maybe the Sunday that follows, they will all come out like this. Just that winning, winning, you're going to or something. Come on like that. So, <laughs> and when you come on like that, them too, they will sing their own. Are we together? And we will be doing, woo, woo. And their head will be swelling. And there will be one young boy like me too that will be there. That will be quoting just because we are making his head swell. And in few years' time, he will also be saying that the reason he can quote scripture is because of the training they gave him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So you see, there, there are, and, and, and this is something I, I want you guys to learn. There are certain Christian practices that we must not let go. Are we together? You see, there's something that's error in it, or there's something. If the only the reason we can identify error in the first place is that the real thing exists. Are we together, guys? Do, do you understand my point? So that's the thing. So you must learn not to just throw things away. Pay attention to the most important things there. Are we together? Pay attention to the most important things there. You know, so don't just say, ah, quoting, what about quoting is beneficial? Look at the good parts. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You didn't stop going to, and you know, it's so ironic. Some of you are still in schools that you know are bad schools. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you are in schools that you know are bad schools, but you still stay there. So you don't say, some of you are just weird. You don't say education is a scam. Or some of you even say it anyways. And yet, you are still planning to do your master's in Oxford. <laughs> I'm never ready for you people. Right? But, you know, you say education is a scam, so on and so forth. We both know education is not a scam. It's your school that is. Emphasis on your. Are we together? It's your school that is. Praise God. So what you don't do is you just throw things away. That's one of, you know, that's one of the signs of maturity as a believer, as a minister of the gospel. You, can, you, must, you must be able to see things, all right, and be able to ask yourself, what about this thing is a good thing? Are we together, guys? For example, when I see certain um, churches and stuff where they decide what people can wear or what they cannot wear, 
All right. For example, you see some churches where they say, you know, ladies are not allowed to wear, to wear earrings and, you know, they're not allowed to wear trousers and so on and so forth. Now, we're always quick to shout and everything. Now, my question when, when people talk like that is, is your concern the fact that they are not wearing earrings? Or your concern is the fact that they don't understand righteousness by faith? Because my own concern is that they don't understand righteousness by faith. If you understand righteousness by faith and you still decide that you don't want to be wearing earrings, gladly. Are we together, guys? In fact, it is what you don't realize eh, is that it is something commendable that in a day and age like ours, people can decide and say, no matter how far this thing gets, I will never partake with it. I will never partake in them with it. Are we together, guys? Are you with me? And those are things to be celebrated. That you can just say by yourself and say, you know what? I like this thing. It looks good, but I'm just not going to try it. And I've told you guys before that in this ministry, even though, I mean, of course, word ministry, we know the word, we know Hebrew, we know Greek. Hallelujah. This is just, if we get to points in this ministry where we have leaders and the likes, there are things you cannot do. Praise God. And don't even bother coming to meet me with rising by faith in Christ Jesus from your epistles. I will tell you I agree, but you are no longer in Christ. You are now in leadership. Amen? Glory to Jesus. Are we together, guys? So, there are certain things we must understand. There are certain practices we must hold dear to ourselves. Because there are things that you see believers do, and then you wonder. For example, as a believer, there are certain kinds of ways you dress. So, there are certain things you wear, and I can tell you don't go out on outreaches. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's just it. When I see, for example, someone who just suddenly just does one color of a style, all of a sudden, ah, I can already tell. Something's something happened. Amen? You can't be going around churches consistently and people will not be questioning you. Are we together, guys? Praise God. And when people are questioning you, you to at some point, there's no, you will sit down and say, this, is it really worth the stress? Because by the time you want to do outreach and out of one hour and 30 minutes, you used one hour to explain why the color of your hair is not a problem. And even after the one hour, it's not like the person even really agreed. You now realize that, that your hair is hindering people from hearing the gospel. You preach for two months, you cannot get somebody, one person filled with the Holy Ghost. You know that, ah, there's a problem. Some of you, as I said, that you're like, ah, is that a bad thing? <laughs> so you begin, to, you begin to now say, ah, you know what? Let me leave this thing. Hallelujah. And you know, it, this, this thing is actually one of the reasons why I would always talk about the fellowship I've you know, finished from on campus. I said, wait, wait. Right. There were some things that we were just mandated to do, and I did not understand why then. Quite frankly, I did not. It didn't make any sense to me. And I mean, if you, if you knew me when I was, ah, man, I was a rebel. <laughs> no, well, not the rebel rebel, but I was always the kind of person that wants to know, why must we do this? You just like, why? You just, and I'll give you Greek, give you Hebrew, give you... And at some point, I mean, by the time I got to my phone, really, over my and I began to see some things. I just said, you know what? The most important thing is that we are training people to be able to let go of things they like. And that's something very commendable. Hallelujah. That's something. Of course, there were sometimes extremes. Times when, for example, you know how cold way you can get. And so you have a 5 a.m. prayer meeting with how cold way you can get. And then you expect the lady to come with skates. And like, at the end of the day, too, we also need to be able to think. Just that my point. I'm not going, and I remember that day very clearly. It was a workers in training prayer meeting. A particular workers in training student came in. And I think she wore leggings or something like that. All right. And then the teacher wanted to send her back. I said, You are wicked, though. So you want her to go back because she came with. The kind of code that this lady is in. Haba. Are we together? So, of course, there are balance to these things. You understand? There, there are justifications for certain things. But most importantly, there was the fact that people were being trained to let go of things they like. For example, we would go on missions, for example, and you dare not as a lady wear trousers on missions. You will wear your long skirts. Amen? I, in fact, I think there were some esters you, like ladies were not allowed to do. 
you have to cover your hair. You would see, you would see fine ladies like this, look like deeper life. You see, mission is a good place to find wife. You will see the lady in her lowest. You understand? So you already know that no matter how worse it gets, this is how this is the worst. You understand? This it can't get worse than this. So by the time you see our worst, you're like, this worst is still just like, still good. This is the worst I can work with. So mother ladies, you see, ah, you, see, ah, you know, you not be one. Is this brother day? <laughs> you will not. You still be one. You see, is this this sister or bro? You, ah, I'm telling you, hallelujah. But what I'm just trying to say altogether is is the fact that there are certain Christian practices that we must hold on to. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Certain Christian practices that we must learn. So second Moses chapter three from verse sixteen seventeen. How did I even get there? I was talking about quoting. I'll be quoting. So maybe very soon, self, I will start giving people like scriptures that we must quote. Maybe like f- five. That in a week you learn it. I'm not joking. Do you know that there was a particular? I can't remember his name. I think it was um, E. W. Kenyon that made his church memorize the entire book of Ephesians. I, I I know that there was a pastor like that. They memorized the entire book of Ephesians, like Ephesians one to Ephesians six, not memorize the entire chapter of one, like Ephesians chapter one, the entire book of Ephesians. Are you together? I've told you guys the example before of the church in China currently under persecution, who a particular pastor from the U.S. went to visit. And on getting there, you know, he wanted to share. You know, they asked him to just, you know, share the word to them. And then as he was going to share, he quoted a particular verse. And nobody opened their Bibles. Nobody. And, you know, and, you know he was wondering why nobody opened their Bibles. And, you know, they said something profound. They said they spend enough time in jail to be able to study and cram scriptures. And so they already knew the entire Bible by heart. The entire Bible, a church of persecution, and you know how they used to uh, like get the Bible. They would tear sheets of the Bible whenever, probably, if a family friend goes to visit somebody in prison, they would tear a leaf of the Bible and give it to them. And because I mean they didn't have time to do anything, that was all they would do. And so imagine you get one sheet from this person, one sheet from that person, one sheet from this person, and then you memorize the entire Bible in jail because of it. And so the person was trying to say something interesting. The pastor in the U.S. was trying to say something interesting that you know. He said, that, that, so they said, pray for us that we will be like you. And what they actually meant was pray for us so that we'll be able to worship in the open like you guys. And he said, no. He said, no. Instead, I'm going to pray for us that we are like you. Hallelujah. That's it. Men in prison. Hallelujah. You know, you hear of folks who have to gather in caves to hear the word. And they stand for hours, six hours, hearing the word. Glory to Jesus. But you see, believers today, once a church is more than 20 minutes to their house, they can't go. They can't. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You know, I can give you experiences on and on of my mother. Enough experiences. There were particular times when I was young, I cannot forget, about seven, eight years old. And the distance from our church to our house, because then we just moved to a new house. The distance from our church to our house was approximately an hour, 30 minutes. One hour, 30 minutes. And my mom would get to church before seven. In fact, that particular year, she was given the award for worker of the year because she never missed a workers' meeting. A workers' meeting within me seven years. Never. And she never got to a workers' meeting late. In fact, most of the people did not know when we moved. So by the time they found out, it was later. In fact, the pastor, they, they transferred in a new pastor, all right? He didn't know where she was coming from and stuff like that. So it was towards the end. Of, I think when they gave her the worker of the year award, eh, that they actually now asked her, where she come, um, where she comes from, and if you know Lagos very well, my church then was in Bagada, all right, and then where we were was Aladbadu. Was Aladbadu? <laughs> you, 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 you get, uh, and she wasn't just the only one moving. She had two children. I was seven, seven, eight. My brother then was like six, five, five, six. 
around then. And she would wake up. I can never forget. 5 a.m. in the morning, wake up, so pack everything, everything, everything. Run out of the house and get to church before 7 a.m. People who stayed in the same streets would be strolling in. And they were... Now, here's the thing. You will always have an excuse. And your excuse will be legitimate. Because now, the same people too will also say, I have kids and they are small. Amen. I have kids and they are small. And you know, I cannot forget. During those times when, forget that I'm hailing her now. I didn't hail her then. No. You don't wake a child at 5 a.m. or 4.30 and you expect him to heal you. Amen. I thought she was wicked for that. But I thank God for her now. I wish you get the guys. Do you understand me? So those are Christian practices that we must be able to hold on to. See, it's, it's okay. It's, even if it's once a week, if you have to go as long as an hour, two hours. Now, it's a different thing if, for example, you don't have resources for it. Do you understand? You don't have the money for tea fair or so on and so forth and stuff like that. Okay, that's fine. Do you understand me? But if you can, all right, even if it's once a week, be ready to make that sacrifice. Are we together? Be ready to make that sacrifice. Spend. Spend. Glory to Jesus. It's for the sake of the word. It's necessary. It's good. It's good for your heart. Sometimes it's not just so much about spending in itself. It's what it does to your heart. It's the mindset you are giving yourself that it doesn't matter the cost. I will find a way. Do you understand me? I will find a way. I'll find a way. Sometimes I talk to some of you and uh, the, way, the way you talk, and that's the thing, you see, because consecration is personal. Although now I'm beginning to learn some things much more. I'm beginning to learn to be much more firm. Certain, because, I mean, it's just training. And you might not like it at the moment, you're going to like it later. All right? But the reality of it is, as it, uh, there, there are certain sacrifices you must be willing to pay. But that's the thing. Sometimes some of you, I don't want to talk because I don't want you to make it seem like I don't understand what it is you are going through. Why just laugh? You know, I laugh. Sometimes I say, yeah, so I'm not feeling so. You think it's every time when I come here, I'm feeling well. You really think so? You really think it's every time when I lead our prayer meetings in the morning, I'm feeling well? You, you think there are not times when you hear some people say, yes, sir, I walked late into the night. What are your chances that I didn't also sleep around 1 a.m. or 2 a.m.? Like, do you realize I also have a career? Do you understand my point? Yeah. So, think about all of those things. But you see, Comfort, and I'm sick we talk about it as we move on in this, um, in this teaching anyways. Comfort is, will always be an enemy to spiritual growth. Write that down. Comfort, the, the, the desire for comfort. So let me put it that way. All right? The selfish desire all right, for comfort will always be an hindrance to spiritual growth. You can never grow. Pay attention to that. You can never grow in a place where you always seek comfort. Never. Never. In fact, it's beyond even spiritual things. No person can do anything significant with his life when he's always looking for comfort. It's just the truth. You know, a man named Denzel Washington, he said, comfort is a greater threat to progress than hardship. And that's the truth. Comfort is a greater, is a greater threat to progress than hardship. For some of you, you had so much, you know, um, um, zeal and zest, you know, to get better in whatever career field you were, all right, when you probably were not earning so much. Then the moment you started earning maybe 150k, or maybe God even buttered your bread, 250k per month. Ah! You've arrived. Biggest boy in town. Papinko Dabalaya. You know, so now, you, you cannot even, say, you cannot wake, you that, before you go to work in the morning, you come, you come back in the, you know, you come back in the evening, alright, you work, after you've gone to work, you now work on your portfolio, or that personal project, or that side gig, you walk into the middle of the night, just at like 1am, 2am, that's when you now sleep. Then you now wake up again like 5am in the morning so that you can go to work and your work will not be affected. But now, you're not earning 250k. 
250, which is not even up to $500, by the way. 250K. You're now a big boy. Is that big boy? Now you cannot do side gig. <laughs> oh God, you can't do side gig anymore. You know, now you're not start giving um you're now give, you're doing um this thing talk. You're building community. You're now giving talks in community about why rest is important. Why <laughs> about why in the future you always come to miss what you don't take care of. So if you don't take care of your body now, you will meet it in future with 250k. <laughs> <laughs> you know that if if we should <laughs> chances are you will not survive <laughs> hallelujah glory to jesus so you know so, see don't you are still young amen we are still young comfort is good i mean folks who know me know i'm very huge on comfort i like to take care of myself all right i like to rest well i like to be pampered but you see there are places where comfort is not necessary are we together guys there are places where you need to i believe that we are still at that age where People now, I mean, well, dragging is not a new thing to me, anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, you most likely hear online and they say that you know, comfort is not to be earned. All right, rest is not to be earned. All right, that rest is needed. Okay, this thing. They are not talking to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There are conversations I need to have. All right, with you guys. They are not talking to you. They are not people that make that have made money. Do you understand my point? <laughs> As when you are young like this, your comfort is earned. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. How is the comfort is not earned? The money you are going to use to get the comfort, where will you get? The comfort is earned when you are young. Are we together? You've not done anything. Stop looking for all this up and down. Every month you want to do vacation. You're not okay. Are we together? Every month you want to do, and that's why your vacation will not be meaningful. You won't be able to do more than one day vacation. And your vacation will be in your house because you don't have the money to lodge. I'm, no, I'm being honest. Just, you must be able to sit down and work. After a period of time, you can see, ah, this is the work I've done. It demands a vacation. Do you understand my point? And then you cannot take two or three days. Good hotel. I told you already. Do you when you're back, you know, ah, I'm, I'm refreshed. It's not vacation. It's on. Every day for you is even a vacation. Because you're not doing anything. <laughs> People are laughing. It's like the word is coming. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Well, I'm still going to come for comfort anyways, but not in that direction. All right? So, don't, don't, we are still young. Do you understand? We still have, we are able-bodied. There are things that we should be ready to make our bodies go through. Are we together? It is rubbish, eh? For you to not be able to pray at least two hours standing. Rubbish. And as I said, there are things that I've been looking at before. I don't need to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it now. It's rubbish. <laughs> young boy like you. You can't stand for two hours in prayer. Any small thing. And you know, that's the thing. You will always find, this is the thing, eh? we will always find reasons for it. Are we together? Sensible reasons, you will find. It will, at least it will make sense to you. So it will be sensible to you. You will now, you will now be the one that will be giving theological explanation from scripture why standing is not a requirement for prayer. Why in fact, if you sit down and you have your energy, you can be more fervent. You know it makes sense. It, it does now, Abby. But you know it does, also doesn't make sense. Exactly, it doesn't. It doesn't. Once you begin to find yourself giving explanations for things you used to do before excessively, you are losing it. Amen? You are losing it. Some of you used to fast better than you do now. It was the day you came across salvation by faith in Christ Jesus that the beginning of your decline in spiritual growth started. As ironic as it might sound, it's the truth. It was the day you realized eh, that fasting doesn't give you power. That your decline in spiritual growth started. Or at least your decline in spiritual devotion. Some of you used to be able to fast you will do dry fasting three days. 
dry fasting. The first time I did fast, the first time I fasted till 6 p.m., I think I was New Year 7, 6 or 7. My, own, my mother had did weird things with us. Some of you are adults now, and by 2 o'clock, fasting. <laughs> I was talking to one of you a while ago, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even know how we had the conversation around that fasting. <laughs> and then I, I think I asked him, I just asked, you know, maybe what time did you break up fast or something like that? And then he said, was it not 3 or 2 or something like that? And like, I thought he was joking. I, genuinely. I say, ah. in my own house, my, like my, my mother's house, now that's what I'm trying to say. My mother's house, eh? Our last born, my, our last born cannot confidently break by three. Amen? Our, our last born is currently 14 years old. He can't confidently, meaning if he breaks by three, he'll go and hide. Jonathan, when he's breaking the fast, nobody must see him. How do you say you, you all adults, 22, 23, 24, only that was six. You already, sh- <laughs> we'll look at you and we think you've been fasting for four days. 6 p.m. fast, you can't fast. There's a problem. Amen? Anyway, someone like you, show you someone like you, when I say you should do dry fasting of two days. Can't do. You can't even, and that's the thing. Someone like you cannot hear God. Tell him to go and fast. Are we together? See, what you don't, this is also the thing about, and, and this is what people don't realize when it comes to leadings and supernatural devotion, or leadings and spiritual devotion, alright? When you hear, for example, a man say that he goes to fast, that God told him to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, something like that. Now, you hear it, and then he moves you. And you are wondering, why will God not tell me? He can't tell you because you can't hear it. Are we together? Do you understand? You can't pick it up. Anybody who normally does not pray cannot be led to pray. Amen? That's it. That's the simple truth. You who on your own cannot take time out to pray, you will never hear God lead you to pray. Even if you sense a leading in your heart and it's supposed to be for you to pray, because you normally do not pray, you will not be able to understand what the leading is about. Do you understand me? Are you with me? That's it. A man who normally doesn't know how to respond to burdens will never recognize the burden of prayer. He will never. Are you together, guys? Do you understand? So before you begin to see about those supernatural encounters where people do crazy things in fasting and prayer and so on and so forth, chances are you will never be able to do that unless on your own normally you've created systems for it. And that's why I believe as a believer, all right, as a, you know, a, 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 a believer must be able to fast at least once in a week. Once. At least one day in a week. Stay off food. At least one. Minus Sunday. <laughs> Mine on Sunday. Are we together, guys? Mine on Sunday. Sunday morning. You find out that believers, believers are eating before they come to church. Eating. Anyway, I used to think it was like basic everywhere. We don't eat before Sunday service. Now. Like, I used to think it was normal. Until I realized, and some people be discussing with you like they means like they're telling you the truth, like it's actual thing. No, you're backsliding. <laughs> Your family have been backsliding for years. Do you understand? Like, that's it. You've been living a backsliding life. <laughs> that's what it is. How will you eat before you go to church? What time is church? Church is 9 a.m. Get to Jilan, get to Jikin. And there's too many times I must say, Bema Shamala. You understand? There's a problem. Okay, I'm coming for you. Sorry. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. There are certain things we must restore. Are we together, guys? Certain behaviors and corrections and acts of devotion that we must restore. Fasting, prayer, walking in the spirit. In my own house, too. We used to have videos at least once a month. At least once a month. Carry ourselves together like this. Or pray. Pray, 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 pray. Even though the prayer, you'll be sleeping as your hands. But they did not burn you where to go into your room and say you want to sleep. They did not burn. They did not even burn your father well to allow you to tell you to go and sleep. 
when my mother is there. Hallelujah. Now, some of you are now wondering why it seems easier for some of us than you. We were trained that way. Do you understand? We were, I was trained. So now, of course, there is an, there's a level of training or personal training it takes to stay with those things. I wish to get the guys. But it's easier for me. Do you understand? It's easier. I cannot remember the last time I stayed at home and I woke up in the middle of the night without hearing my mother's voice. I cannot. Genuinely. If you were to ask me how many days in the week my mother does a vigil, I'll tell you every day. And genuinely, I'll tell you every day. My mom, one of the weirdest conversations I had with my mom, she told me she had a vigil. And then, like, after she was done with her vigil, she now woke up for morning devotion. Let me give you an idea of it. My mom, she did the vigil like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. or 12 to 3. Then she slept. Then she woke up 5 a.m. for morning devotion. You know, normally, for, for us, if you have a of morning devotion, she does that. No. After vigil, still morning devotion. Amen. You can't you can't live with somebody like that and you will not pray. You you you, you now say God called you to ministry. <laughs> That's why I don't know where some people learn their ministry from. I don't know. But you see, the pattern of ministry may have seen. He cannot allow me to do certain things. Amen. I cannot understand or conceive the idea of going before God's people without preaching, without studying. I cannot. I can't. Because if you see how my mom is Saturday evening, my mom has been a pastor for years now. Till now. Till now, Saturday evening, you can't get my mommy's attention. You can't. Because there's just a way she will be because she's preaching tomorrow. There's just a way. You cannot. Up till now. And she has been a pastor for years. So how do you stand in front of God's people without, without preparing, without studying? That's why I will never get to a point where I'll be able to finish my notes. It will never happen. I will always overstudy for every teaching. And you will sit down and hear it. Amen? That's it. I'll never get to a point where I'll prepare a note and I'll finish it. I'll not be sitting. I'll not stand. Uh, so, uh, so any questions? No, it's not gonna happen. I always have more than enough in my notes. Well, also because I mean, because of times like this, when I'm also talking like this, anyways. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. All right. So the point of all that was just to stick to, and probably I'm still going to do a teaching about it. I'm still going to do a teaching on it. All right, because we need to be custodians of certain cultures. Are we together, guys? We need to keep certain things. It mustn't go. They must not go. They must not die away with us because they are dying away already. I told you guys before. I said, when was the last time you heard of a church video? Like a video. A video. When was the last time? Particularly after COVID. It became terrible. Particularly with this invention of online church, this thing. You began people saying they are doing video of one hour. Vigil of one hour. Where did we learn this thing from? Vigil of one hour. What do you want to use one hour to do? You and the demon are still playing. One hour. Jesus, God as a man, God made flesh, prayed all night. All night, God as a man. You say you are doing video of one hour. I'm sure even demons have a chocolate. Like, oh, that's so cute. Stop it. Hey, God. Oh, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Moses 3, verse 16. Say, we're a new age church. There's the way people are. We need to flow with them. Do you understand? We must. We, we need to understand their level of concentration. Do you understand? Then we can flow with it. Do you understand? And in that one hour, there'll be praise, there'll be thanksgiving, there'll be words, because that's the latest thing now. There's always words in the meeting. meeting prayer, prayer video of one hour, words of 20 minutes. And that's the reason why see, the other generation don't take us serious. They don't. Genuinely, they can't. You don't, you don't stay around people like that. 
one of these days, I will pack you people. We'll just go to your mountain very soon. We'll just. Zion, I'm not laughing. <laughs> we'll just pack ourselves. No, no, no. Genuinely, you. Some people need to go and see how these people pray. We'll just pack ourselves and go. Maybe one night. And luckily now, they have chalets and stuff like that. So there are nice places there. Just get a place to stay one night. Just go and see them pray. You don't leave places like that no more. Amen. You don't leave places like that. I told you before. I told you my experience. I went there for the first time ever. I met the man. And I don't know if it's okay for me to call, call his name here. CSC Worldwide Evangelist. I met him in person. My, 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 very close to my mom. My mom's mentor. Met him. First thing he told my mom. He said, your son can pray. The man didn't know why I was praying. He thought it was the prayer point. It was not... It, that's the thing. We do so much of, ah, they don't understand polar revelation. You don't get it. When a man tells you, God revealed something to him and he began to fast for 121 days on the spot. And you realize that the thing God revealed to him, God revealed it to him when he was fasting. So, now, he has forgotten all the fasting he did before and he's starting a new one of 121 days. You don't stay around men like that and something in you is not born to pray. Do you understand? Are we together? So, for, that's the thing. For, forget the Hebrew. So that they, no, this all these fine boys. This, for, this is not where it came from. Amen. That's where. That's where we learn to pray. Are we together? That's where we learn it. When you see men who are sitting on the rock in one corner, just shaking. And the person you you left there, you come back, you meet him, you go again, you come back, you meet him. But talking to people who just want to hide in rocks. You, you don't. They don't see them. They just go inside. They just go to the bush. Just go and pray. Amen? Hallelujah. So forget all this, your suit and tie and everything. It's not by you though. And, and you see miracles in front of them. Miracles. It's not making it straight up. Straight up. Recently, he had a miracle. A person with a dislocated jaw came to meet him. He slaps the jaw back into place. You know, there are certain things you pray to. Do you understand? There are certain things, it's not by, it's not tongues and interpretation. Amen? I see, I see by the Holy Ghost. That's why you always be saying as it's way. That's why your word of knowledge will always be as it's way. As it's way, as it's way. And it's always the same thing. The nations are covered. The nations are covered. We know. We know. Giving the same thing again and again. I see lights. Before uncle, close your eyes. What will you see? Say, I see light. The nations are covered. We sang it in the psalm. We already know. The nations are taken. Say another one. I see territories. I see waters. See liquid or fluid. Rubbish. Cannot give one direct word of knowledge. One. One. With all the knowledge of the Holy Ghost you have. Can't even mistakenly give one accurate word of knowledge. Quote here, share it by mistake. You should, mean, you should think it's for this person, but it's for this other person. But quote here, we're accurate. None. But we are winding ourselves. Say, ah, this generation is on fire. <laughs> hey, God. Hallelujah. You cannot say hallelujah again. <laughs> hallelujah. It's God. Then you, know, you begin to explain away miracles. Can you see, some things are not necessary now. Since there's not technological advancements. The person whose jaw was dislocated, he doesn't know the way to a doctor. Amen? You think he didn't know his way to a doctor? Let's tell ourselves the truth. We've not seen anything. Hallelujah. And there is something we are lacking. You know, it's okay if we can be honest enough to say, you know what? We are still growing. So there are certain things we've not seen. And there are certain things that we can begin to see. But when we lie to ourselves and say, oh, we're already seeing stuff happen. We are not seeing anything happen, no. Amen? Hallelujah. We're not seeing anything happen. Let's not lie to ourselves. And you see, see, 
The power of the Holy Ghost cannot be replaced with lights and screen and everything like that. It's good. It's fine. It's nice. But it cannot be replaced by it too. Amen? Hallelujah. And you can do publicity all you want on Instagram. There are men who did not know that such a thing as Facebook exists. And people were coming from the United Kingdom to meet him in Ikeji, Arakeji. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So, let's know what is what. Just that we can... No, use all the lights and all the photography and everything and we know it's cool we like it but we know where the real power is amen hallelujah mm-hmm. glory to god praise jesus all right so second Timothy 16 <coughs> still on this verse not at all anyways so basically um in, in the teaching of the word you see one of the things you see is that the word is profitable for doctrine somebody say doctrine doctrine i need you guys to be more um <coughs> involved say doctrine all right, the word doctrine there being didaskalia, which means to teach. All right, it means to teach. All right, and so when you come to a Christian meeting to learn scripture or to learn the word, all right, one of the things you expect is doctrine or is the teaching of the word, reception of new information. All right, reception of new information, that's one of the things you expect. All right, and next up, you have reproof. All right, reproof there being the Greek word elekos. Elekos means evidence. All right, and it means to give, you know, to give it evidence. So same word that was used in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, faith is the substance of things for the evidence of things not seen. All right, and what this just simply means is that, you see, when we come to learn the word, we also come to receive evidence of things we already know. Okay, so um, for example, the subject of evangelism is most likely not new to you. Alright, you've probably heard about it before. You've probably been taught about it before. But you see, you can never get to a point as a believer where, you know, what you know is enough. It's never there. Alright? You would always get, you would always need to have greater depths of light and illumination in the word. You're always going to need to know more and more and more. Alright, in the word. Say, I know more. Say, I know more. I know more. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Alright, so that's it. So as a believer, you must always grow in depth of insight. And you see, this is one of the ways you can actually measure your knowledge as a believer. You must be able to ask yourself questions like, what in the past three months have I gotten better at? It's a question I'm going to begin to begin to ask some of you. Two questions actually. Number one, what is the Lord telling you right now? You see, two ways you can always know if you are still on fire as a believer. Number one, is there must be a recurring vision in your heart of what the Lord will have you do at that point in time. Amen. Amen. There must be a recurring vision in your heart. At, at, at every point in time, God must be leading you as regards something. Alright? Must be leading you as regards something. It might be in your relationships. It might be in your, uh, your career. It might be in your ministry. But there is always a recurring vision before you at that point in time. Something God is leading you in. Hallelujah. That's number one. Number two is that there must be a, you must be able to compare where you are at that point and where you were like three months ago and see a clear difference. In the, like difference positively, not negatively now. Are we together, guys? But you must be able to see a clear difference. So it doesn't even matter if what you know now is what you knew before. There are always depths of insights that you will have with time. As time goes on, as you know, as you move from one point to the other, one time to the other, there are depths of insight you are going to receive that you did not have before. And this is one of the reasons why you see, as a minister of the gospel, or as a disciple, one of the things you will know is that you're not necessarily going to be teaching different things. You're going to teach the same thing again and again. Hallelujah. Chances are in the next 20 years, if you pick up my sermon, it's still the same thing you hear me teaching and you're going to hear. Hallelujah. You know, Reverend Tox was saying it just, I think, like two years ago. He said, if you pick my sermon about 20 years ago and you pick them now, he said, it's still the same thing I've been saying. Hallelujah. It's called Jesus the same year as it is there forever. Glory to Jesus. So if you think that maybe in the next five years that I've attained some depths, God forbid, 
Amen. This is the same thing I'll be teaching you people. Hallelujah. You know, I've told you guys this again and again. God who gave us 66 books to learn, he knows that there will be a point when we'll keep saying the same thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So don't be looking for deep, up and down. Deep is on Righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again. That's the deepest depth ever. Amen? That's the... Mm. You know what Say Christ died, Christ's death, burial and resurrection. Say, mm. That's depth. That's what we don't say. There are stars and kingdoms and this thing. I say, oh. What is this Do you understand? Just stick with Christ crucified. Christ, uh, how did he say it? say it? Christ Jesus and him crucified. Simple. It says, I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus and him crucified. So, it's a determination. Are we together? It's not like you two, you will not hear things that he sweets to preach. You think because I don't like to hear. You know, that's nice when you hear some people say some things and the way he shake people, you know it's rubbish, but you're like, ah, myself, if I talk calm. Particularly when you're eloquent. You know, if I talk my own too. Just say, there are realms. There are levels to these things. You see the voice of the Abbey. There are levels to these things. There are heights you cannot attain. Unless you travel. See, and of course, <laughs> and then you live there. You don't do anything. That's the thing. See, sometimes, and this, this is the thing about church, eh? We have we become so used to a kind of Christianity that doesn't cause any change or transformation. So we are okay with Sunday service was a blast, but there is no effect outside. Do you understand my point? Bars are still filled up. Brothels are still filled up. Are you with me? But Sunday service was awesome. Do you, do you get my point? Two things. First of all, who are those people that are going to those bars? But then, by the way, eh, how was Sunday service awesome and the number of people in the bars are not decreasing? Amen. Hallelujah. So these are conversations we need to have. Amen. See, lest we do everything but the most important things right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, I can say it here because I mean, this is the platform that God has given me. Listen, this ungodly run after excellence at the expense of actually effectiveness in soul winning will regret it. I'm telling you. It's not. And there's the thing. When things like this start, it's not immediately you see it. Initially, it will seem like, ah, we are doing something right. Give it some years. Just give it. You will see it very soon. Give it some. This, you want to be the, have the best choir. Okay. Now, this is not to say those things are not good. Are we together? But it must not be at the expense of soul winning. Soul winning must... The, what may I believe is a sensible award to be given. What church is the best soul winner? Are we together? Eh? How many church, what church has saved the most people in the past one year? That, that, those are conversations we should be having. But you see this run after the church with the best instrumentalists. Hey. And that's the thing. You see, when we have these conversations, that's the thing. When they have conversations like this now, see, because ah, look at things now, look at the background is using. It's not like no problem. I've always told you people, just give me some more time. Just, ah, just there's no problem. No give me some more time. I will say the same thing. When we have of this thing and the stage we are using is elevated and if possible, they'll be raising me up as I'm talking like this so people will know that, ah, this calling. I will say the same thing. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We need to have honest conversations with ourselves because as I'm going to show you very soon, see, the devil doesn't play fair. One of the best things the devil likes to do is to keep you busy doing the, the rubbish things. So, like matter, you would think you are working. 
And you'll be fighting the person who is doing the important thing. Do you realize? So, to Martha, Mary was irresponsible. Because, now, do you know the funny thing? is she, Martha now goes to meet Jesus and says, hey, look at Mary now. Jesus, what should she be doing this thing? Because Martha genuinely thought what she was doing made sense and Mary was the one in the wrong. So, you need to even understand that the devil has gotten us to a point where people genuinely believe that what they are doing as excellence is what God needs. Are you with me? And they will look at people who maybe are not in pursuit of excellence at all. And not see, I would rather have a church who is giving to soul winning and no excellence than a church giving to excellence and no soul winning. But better still, I'll have both. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? I'd rather have both. So that's that's the thing. Part of uh, that's even why I quoted this place. I was going to teach talk about how in the teaching of God's word there's correction. Say correction, correction. And you see. This is something you need to realize. Correction is not because of fights. It comes with the word. If you are truly learning the word, you'll be corrected. It's not this thing. It's just what it is. If you are learning the word, you'll be corrected. It always comes with the word. All right? Whether you like it or not. And correction will not always be palatable. I've said this to you guys again and again. It won't always be palatable. All right? You cannot tell me how I'm supposed to correct you. That's the whole point of correction in the first place. You did something wrong. The reason you are being corrected is because you don't know you don't know what is best for you. So you cannot know how best to correct you. And because and so we are in an age where in people are a lot more interested in how the correction is said than the correction itself. That's it. So at the end of the day, you put out a correction, all right? And then what people what matters is how will you talk like this? So you nobody's gonna say anything about the fact that this person is correcting something. But what matters is how will you talk like this? Is it how to correct people? I did not send you. I will say what I want to say. Do you understand me? I cannot do the best of explaining it better, but I'll put it there, give it back. Now that thing is wrong. Amen? And I will not apologize to one person. Do your worst. At this way, the worst you can do is to retweet and say, post tweet and say what you want to say. That's all. At the end of the day, you see me outside, you still greet me. You cannot do anything. Amen? So grow some spine, you know? grow thick skin. What's the worst that happened? Leave the place, come back in another, come back one day after. Everything have gone. Amen? Say your wound. But listen, and you know why it's becoming tougher and harder to say? It's because we are having churches that are condoning it. So now it even almost seems like what you're correcting is not, you're not correcting the world, you're correcting the church. And that's why it's harder. Are we together? Do you understand? Because now it now almost seems like, are you, are you not saying this pastor doesn't know what he's saying? He most likely doesn't. Because you can't be doing things like this and know what you are doing. Are we together? There are, some, there are certain ways or certain things that you see believers, it, don't, it makes absolutely no sense. Are we together, guys? How can you have a believer who has been saved for five years, cannot point to one person, one person that he has gotten saved and he has planted in a church? Guys, there's a problem. And it's a conversation we need to have. You have people who are leaders in church cannot preach the gospel. You, they cannot preach the gospel. I remember I was on I was I was on evangelism one day with a number of persons, all right. And you know, no man now you're out on evangelism. You enter anywhere, preach, just that, something like that. And then the person goes, "How are you able to enter places? Like how are you able to just go and meet people?" <sighs> I didn't. I genuinely did not know how to answer because how do you meet people? You walk up to them, no need. Just uh, you, you uh, imagine a believer of years saying, "I, I don't, I don't like. To, I like people to be on their own." 
you came to the wrong religion. We don't let people be on their own year. That's the whole point of it. Are we together? You know, together, we don't leave people on their own year. We go after them. We hold on to them. If we left you to be on your own, you'll be here. Are we together? You know, say, ah, you know, my temperament. I'm not really. Ah, the devil is working with you on your temperament. You and your devil are in partnership. It is signed record liber. That's the only explanation. Ah, say my, my temperament. I don't really. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sanguine. I'm, I'm choleric or cholera. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So the word comes with correction. Hallelujah. We'll be corrected. In fact, there were things as I was bringing this teaching, God corrected me on. Told me certain things. Say this, this, this. You've not been doing it as well as you should. Corrected me. So it's part of the word. Correction. You must be ready to take. Listen, any discipler, listen, any pastor or teacher or discipler that doesn't correct you doesn't have your best interest at heart. Are we together? There must be correction. You need to know. I'm not, see, in case you don't, I'm not going to tailor Kerizo ministry based on what you want. Or based on what you like. I'm not going to disciple you based on... That's your point of discipling you. You don't need to... You don't know what you need. Are we together? You don't go to class, alright? And then your teacher now lists all the subjects. Now begins to say, you know what? If you like this one, stay in this place. If you like this one, stay in this place. If you like this one, stay in this place. Okay, now all the places you've gone to, that's what you're going to do for the time. Hey, I like that teacher. Some of you, you are where you are right now because there was one teacher who, despite what you did not like, he stayed on your case. Are we together? Are we together? See... If you only did what you like in secondary school, you most likely not get admission. Are we together? The whole point of being taught is not just that you don't know. It's that you don't even know what you need to know. Are we together, guys? You don't know what you need to know. You don't know. And so, my work as a disciple, as a trainer, is to give you that training. And sometimes to come with correction. And you will take it with joy. Well, you can leave my place and not have joy anyways. But at the point where you are in front of me, we will rejoice together in that correction. No, with joy we draw from. But you will take it with joy. Say with joy. Maybe I say with joy. Exactly. That's it. Because correction will always come. So accept it already. Just that. Now, of course, the issue the of the word. Now, and that's where people now. Because I'm also I've been hearing this rubbish ideology. That, you know, yeah, at least Jesus is not condemning them. It just tells you. It just lets you know. They don't know the word. So people do not know clearly the difference between condemnation and correction. Do you realize if you were with Jesus, and I, I, I remember I had this conversation with someone before. I said, if Jesus was present today, a lot of you will fight him. In fact, it is enough to know. It is enough to see reasons why people did not believe in Jesus in his day. Because if he was present today, people would still not believe. Imagine if Peter was your guy. And then Peter just walks up to you in the room. Peter is crying. Say, Peter, what's the problem? See, I'm coming from um, our teaching meeting. Ah, that your Jesus that after all these years of ministry, just two people is carrying up and down. What did he say again this time? He says, eh, he called me Satan. He called you Satan. I've been telling you. Is this a man to follow? Is that a man of God? Is that a man of God? A man of emoji. He say he's calling you Satan. He's calling you Satan. That's condemnation. That's condemnation. You two ask Peter. You say it's true. It's, in fact, say, ah, I've been saying it. That man. I've been saying it since. It's, it's, push man, she, he does his own things differently. Look at John the Baptist. Look at him. You two, that's how you walk out of God's plan. Amen? Condemnation is calling you who you are not in Christ. Are we together? If I come and say, ah, because of what you did, you are not righteous. God hates you. That's a lie. That's condemnation. Amen? But condemnation is telling you that you are not acting according to who you are in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. That's it. So correction is, this is who you are supposed to be in Christ Jesus. This is the way you are acting. You are not acting that way. That's the simple thing. So condemnation, 
no. So now, for example, look at Paul to the Corinthian church. Do you realize, in fact, and, and, and I'm just going to say before I talk about Paul and the Corinthian church, that you see, people often say the truth is bitter. I think I've said this again and again. Truth is not bitter. The truth is only bitter to anybody who is on the side of falsehood. The truth is not bitter. It's genuinely not. How do you say a man who has been in jail for 20 years for a crime he doesn't commit, how would the truth for someone like that be bitter? It can't be. The truth for someone like that is sweet. He's out of jail now because he didn't do anything. Are we together? Do you understand me? The truth is only bitter when you enjoy falsehood. So if you are constantly being corrected, particularly when you can see that correction clearly from the word, are we together, guys? You are the one that has issues. Do you understand? There is no need to be fighting about it or to be defensive. There is no need. You are the one that has issues. If constantly you are being corrected, you must look at it and say, what's wrong with my theology? What has happened to me? And that's the thing. Sometimes you need to have that, have that conversation. A while ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. And he was telling me about this lady he likes. All right? The lady likes, and you know, they were already talking and stuff like that. And after a while, the Spirit of God just nudged me. I said, you didn't ask this guy as he prayed. And now, of course, I reached out to him and said, have you prayed? But I genuinely now began to ask myself a question. What happened to me? How did I get to the point where we are talking about a lady you are going to date? And the first question that came to my mind was not, have you prayed? Amen. So I even wondered, so we pray about relationship. We do. The ones that did not pray. <laughs> Amen? We do. Glory to Jesus. We do. And the ones that prayed, they knew what they were supposed to do and did not do. <laughs> but we do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's it. So correction will come. And see, for example, for a place like the Corinthian church, you would have thought, do you realize that the entirety of First Corinthians was correction? Except the last chapter. Chapter 16. You don't know. I'll show you. First Corinthians, we used to think that the only part that was correction was from 1 Corinthians 1 to 11. That in verse 12, it now says now concerning spirituals. But do you realize that 12, 13, and 14 were correction as per the ministry of the spirits? It's a bit distracting. Can you just fix up whatever it is? Alright. So, do you realize in fact that 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 were actually instructions or were actually corrections as regards the ministry of the spirits? Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? First Corinthians 12, what was, it, what was the issue? You know, we're trying to explain how that in the body, there are diversities in the body. Are we together? But we are one body. First Corinthians 13, love. The reason behind edification. Are we together, guys? First Corinthians 14, order in the church. First Corinthians 15, people were, some people believe that Jesus was not, raised, was not raised from the dead. And so we're trying to say that if Jesus is not risen, our faith is in vain. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So the entirety of the epistle of First Corinthians, save the greeting in chapter 16, was correction. So that's the thing. Sometimes the entirety of a teaching to you is correction. Why? Because you are doing otherwise. Now, to you, when you read First Corinthians today, it's not necessarily a correction to you. Why? Because you are not doing the things that were there. Do you understand my point? So if you read, <coughs> sorry, if you read, for example, something that says that a fornicator, you are supposed to, you know, put him out from among you, deliver him up to the devil. You are not a fornicator, so it's not going to affect you. Do you understand my point? The reason it will trigger you is if a fornicator. Do you understand my point? So oftentimes, when you see believers who are always coming against this thing, it often just tells you what kind of people they are. They are worldly. Oftentimes, they are not. It's either it's them or their friends that what you are saying is talking to. That's it. That's it. Well, you, there's some things that you can even bring close to me as a friend. There are certain things when I'm talking to some of my friends and they tell me, I did something I cannot tell you. Genuinely, they tell me straight like that, I did something I can't tell you because I know what you're going to say. That's it. You must be the kind of person that people know what they're going to meet with you. You can't be. I'm not spontaneous. You will know. If you will chop it, if you will chop 
you collect. You, you know. You already know. In fact, most of the time, when they are talking to you, they are already laughing and this and that because they know they will collect and you will collect of the truth. Amen? I will not say, ah, because you already knew that I was going to... Already, you feel bad now, so there's no reason for me to know I will make you feel worse. Amen? And at the end of the day, I will not say, you know, but you are in Christ Jesus and so on and so forth, but you will feel bad. Amen? And you will not do it again. Glory to Jesus. Are we together, guys? That's correction. It comes with the word. Right? So, to, in today's meeting, all right, as you study on evangelism and discipleship, listen, if he touch you, he touch you. Amen? And take it like that. The question you should ask yourself is this. Does it come from the word? That should be the most important question. I don't care how you feel. I don't. The question is, does it come from the word? If it comes from the word, then that's it. Then I take it. That's simply what it is. Does it come from the word? Alright? So, let's start from this. Uh, you see, when you look through scriptures, um, as regards the allusions used for ministry... You see, none of them denotes a walk in the park. None of them denotes a walk in the park. When you look at the different ways that, you know, the work of ministry was regarded in scripture, different words that was used for it, you know, one thing that was common to all of them is that it is work and it is labor. Amen. 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 It is work and it is labor. For example, you see Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. Jesus in Luke 9 and verse 62. It says, and Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand on the plough, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And he was referring to agriculture. Luke 9, verse 62. No man who you know, puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he was trying to say that, you see, no man who you know, wants to take up the work and then he looks back is fit for the work of ministry. Are we together, guys? Meaning, when it comes to work of ministry, you lay it all aside. You do the work. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And then for Paul as well. You see, Paul also used, for example, he used agriculture. To speak about you know the work of ministry, agriculture and building. Go to First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians three from verse six to ten. First Corinthians chapter three from verse six to ten. All right, I read. He says, "I have planted Apollos watered." He says, "But God gave the increase." He says, "So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth." He says, "But God that giveth the increase." He says, "Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor." He says, "For we are laborers together with God." So look at what he used. I planted Apollos watered. He that planted and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So can you see that? Say labor. Say labor. Labor. So ministry is labor. Are we together, guys? And he calls us co-laborers with God. So we are laborers. Say, I'm a laborer. I'm a laborer. That's it. That's who you are. All right? And so he uses agriculture. All right? Planting. Watering. Look at what he says. He says, um, I think this should be verse 8. He says, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. All right? You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. You now look at what he says next. He says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. You know what? Let's read that together from verse 9. Okay, from t- verse 10. Verse 10, sorry. Verse 10. Verse 10. I want us to read it together. Guys, are we there? First Corinthians 3 and verse 10. Are we there? All right, let's read it together. One to go. According to the grace of... Wait. You are reading like... Let's read together again. First Corinthians 3, 10. One to go. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builded thereon. But let every man take heed how he builded thereupon. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So, not just does he use the allusion of someone who plants. Alright? He also uses the allusion of someone who builds. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone who builds. He calls himself a wise master builder. 
Are we together tonight, guys? So, in these two ideologies about the minister we have, there is nothing about it that signifies comfort or enjoyment. It is work. It is labor. Labor. Alright? He also calls the minister of the gospel an athlete. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9 from verse 24 to 27. I'm going to be reading. It says, Know ye not that they which run in the race run all, but one receiveth the prize. It says, So run that ye may obtain. It says, And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. So it says, Know ye not that they which run, run in a race. So an athlete. He says, Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But first of all, before I explain what the idea of castaway is there, pay attention to the fact that he calls himself an athlete, a runner. So the minister of the gospel is a runner. And if you understand how athletes are, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. For example, you are preparing four years for a race that is under 10 seconds. Are we together? For well, instance, another ten seconds. For example, you know um, this lady Tobia Musa or something, who like currently has been breaking records and stuff. Imagine the fact that she have been praying for years for this race. Yes. Are we together, guys? So that's the idea of it. And look at her body, for example. Are we together? Even a guy, even a guy stands beside that one. She gives you one punch. Think is the power of the Holy Ghost. Are we together? Built clearly. She has been trained for a race. How long is the race? At the end of the day, max 10 points something on like, you know, 12 seconds, 13 seconds, that's all. And she's training for years. That's a minister of the gospel. It's work, it's labor. It's labor. So listen, if if what you are doing or what you call ministry that you are doing does not involve labor, you are not doing ministry. Amen. You are not doing and you see, there's a difference between inflicting pain on yourself or inflicting stress on yourself, all right. And actually laboring for the work. Do you understand me? And laboring for the work. There are some things that are not necessary. You don't have to stress yourself about. Alright? If you can afford certain luxuries, afford it. Do you understand my point? I mean, if you, if you can afford to... I remember I was making a, a joke a while ago. And I said, I would rather study my Bible, you know, with the view of the beach and a champagne in my hand. Are we together, guys? Well, the Holy Ghost has no issues with that. Unless I'm fasting anyways. You understand my point? But it's no problem. Could have some... I don't know. I don't really take sweet stuff anyways. Have some assume in front of me. Just that. As I'm studying Ephesians and Philippians. Opening Greek and Hebrew. So just throw some assume in my mouth. For revelation knowledge. Do you get me? These things are not bad. Okay? But you see, it must not now cover for labor. Are we together? That labor of sitting down to open and study... Look at it, look again, look at it, look again. You break. So that it will not cover for it. Just my point. So you can make it lighter for yourself. So there, there are some things that are not necessarily labor for the work. Do you understand my point? There are things that is just because you cannot afford a certain luxury. Do you understand my point, guys? But there are certain things that it is labor for the work. And you cannot excuse yourself from it. Amen? You don't outsource labor. You don't. You don't outsource labor. Somebody else cannot do labor for you. You do it for yourself. And so because your pastor is laborious in the work, doesn't mean you are laborious. You have to do your own labor. You're a minister yourself. So you must run also. Say, I must run. Say, I must run. Hallelujah. So that's it. Nothing about ministry denotes comfort. So let's talk about when he says, I myself should be a castaway. Now, notice how the conversation of First Corinthians 9, all right, the conversation of First Corinthians 9 is not salvation, it's ministry. 
Are we together, guys? So it can't, the idea of being a castaway here couldn't have been talking about God disowning him or him being unsaved. All right. So better understand it. You know, the best way would have been to run through the entire chapter, but we don't have so much time. All right. But I want you to know that the context of the chapter of First Corinthians nine was Paul speaking about the things that he had to let go of for the sake of the work. Glory to Jesus, guys. Glory to Jesus. The things he had to let go of for the sake of the work. So, for example, you see Paul say, you know, um, do we not have power to have a wife? You know, um, 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 do we not, are we not entitled to your, are we not entitled, all right, to your gifts, all right, to getting from you? He says, is it a great thing? He says, if we've shown out to you spiritual things, he says, is it a great thing if we shall reap of your carnal things? Are we together? First Corinthians 9 verse 11. And so you realize that the majority of the things he's saying, all right, or the context of his conversation is simply around things that he had to lose for the sake of the work. Glory to Jesus. All right. And so when he now says in verse 27, I keep under my body, I bring it to subjection, lest by any means when I preach unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Castaway in this context would now therefore refer to the things he could have gained for the sake of the work. Are we together? Do you understand me? The reward for the work of ministry. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Very good. So, and I mean, a better way to even just, one, one thing that would just really help is to look at this version in the NIV. First Corinthians 9 verse 27, it says, in the NIV, it says, No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Amen. Hallelujah. So he's referring to a disqualification for the prize. What prize? The work of ministry. And notice how that he calls it a prize. Because listen, guys, there is a reward for labor. It is being a thief to not labor and expect a reward. Amen. Hallelujah. He's being a thief to not labor and expect a reward. For the fact that there are rewards for the work of ministry already lets you know, and for the fact that it's called a reward, already lets you know that you have to labor to get it. You have to work to get it. You don't just get it because you like it. You don't, they, God doesn't give people rewards because mm, you look good. I'm just going to give it to you. You look like a kind person. You look nice. And you have, you have respect. You have home training. So I'm going to give it to you. No. You have to labor for it. Hallelujah. And you see, the work of... And this is what lets you know, of course, that this can be salvation. Because you see, salvation, of course, is the gift of God. Free gift of God for all mankind. Right? You see Ephesians 2, from verse 8 to 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith. All right? Not of works is the gift of God. Um, um, not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. Look at Titus 3, from verse 3 to 7. Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, from verse 3 to 7. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Titus 3 from verse 3 to 7, he says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, all right? Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. He says, But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works or righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. He says, Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Say, I'm an heir. I'm an heir. I'm an heir according to the hope of eternal life. Glory to Jesus. So can you see that? It says abundant mercy. Glory to God. It says abundant mercy. So this salvation, Second Timothy, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Second Timothy 1 and verse 9. It says, who had saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Say, not according to my works. Not according to my works. But look at it. says, according to his own purpose and grace. 
Hallelujah. But I want to pay attention to the fact that it says it's purpose and grace. So it's his purpose that he saved you. He saved you unto his purpose. Are we together, guys? So you don't now receive his salvation and decide to do what you want to do. Praise God. He saved you to his own purpose and grace. So he saved you to his purpose. You must now live out his purpose. Do you understand? If you receive his grace, you must live out, live out his purpose. See, I've received his grace. I've received his grace. I'm going to live out his purpose. That's it. I'm going to live out his purpose. He says, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So, salvation is by God's mercy, grace, and loving kindness. That's it. Alright? And so, the idea of labor cannot be referring to salvation. Rather, the work of ministry. Amen? The work of ministry. So, the work of ministry is labor. Alright? You see nothing in scripture. You know, this, this idea. You see, when, when we say, or when you hear uh, ministers talk about ease in the work of ministry... The ease is not for the labor. The ease is other things that surround the labor. For example, men. You know, the work will grow faster and easier when there are men around. Do you understand my point? The work will move faster when there are men and willing men around. Do you understand my point? But you see, the labor in itself of building men will still be there. Do you understand my point? So when you hear about, because you need to understand the context of each of these things. And that's the reason why I did, a while ago, I did a thread on, um, on the idea of supernatural speed. What people call grace for supernatural speed. And I said two things about it. I said, number one, most of the places where people say they have grace for supernatural speed, what they have is very strong structure that they've labored for in the past. Do you understand my point? And so it just becomes easier to build on certain things. Are you with me? That's number one. Number two is that, listen, we must learn to not use words that scripture does not use. You are, there is no place in scripture where you find the idea of speed done together with the work of ministry. Never. Never. Ministry and speed don't go hand in hand. Respectfully. They don't. Ministry and speed, they don't go hand in hand. The only, in fact, is ironic that the word in fact you find for ministry in scripture is patience. Hallelujah. Patience. Patience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the words, who for the glory that was said before him, right, despised the cross, um, 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 went for, after the cross, despised the shame. Come on, forgetting these things like this, say, man of God. What's happening? All right. Go to Roman. Let, let's just look at that's Hebrews 12. Sorry. Hebrews 12. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go there. Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Start from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. He says, Wherefore, seeing that we are so encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and see which does so easily beset us. Let us what? Run with patience the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. Say, run with patience. Run with patience. The work of ministry is done in patience. There is no supernatural speed. Now, there is speed has its context. But don't go and start work of ministry and be looking for speed in your first year. Amen. Don't be looking for speed. It's speed that will go and make you be doing the things you're not supposed to do. You'll be doing everything everywhere. You'll be organizing special program up and down. Program that the Holy Ghost does not know about. As you are inviting people, you're also inviting the Holy Ghost because he doesn't know anything about it. He didn't give any direction for it. Do you understand? So as you are intimating people, you're also intimating the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, we have a meeting now because it didn't come from him. Amen? Hallelujah. No, don't just jump up and now. 
patience. The work of God requires patience. I told you guys before, Jesus did the work of mission on the earth. God as a man, he did the work of mission on the earth for three and a half years. He had 12 people. Let's even now say best, best, the best we can call it. He had the 120 because those are the people that were gathered in the upper room. Are we together? Three and a half years, God, God as a man. God as a man, three and a half years, one year and twenty. Just not my point. One year and twenty. But you see, in one day, one of the one year and twenty preached, and three thousand were added to the church. That's training. But that's patience. It's only patience that can bring you there. Do you understand my point? Training is patience. Training is patience. Do you understand? So, how do you even serve a God who has times and seasons in His hand in haste? How? A God who knows the end from the beginning. Do you understand? He's not rushing. He's not. And you see, this is something else I need to say. And you know, and, and it was a, you know, a man of God that said it in the meeting I was in. He said, you know, there's a way we oftentimes, um, we can, I don't, I don't know if the word Christianize is right, all right, but we can Christianize our impatience. And we say, you know, because it's, um, because of um, the coming of Jesus, you say, you know, um, ah, the coming of Jesus is urgent, all right? So we need to do, you know, we need to use all our energy and do the work and stuff like that. Listen, listen. The, Response to urgency is not haste, it's seriousness. Amen. Hallelujah. Of a truth, there is urgency required for the work, but the answer to that is seriousness, not haste. It's not for you to be running up and down, jumping up and down, doing program up and down. No, it's for you to sit down and strategize and say, Guys, how do we do this work? Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us at carysoul.mini at gmail.com. We call you blessed.